Good morning. One question we all must be asking ourselves uh, today is, what was Pastor Scott thinking? Um, I don't know whether you've noticed, but in the lineup of those who've been speaking in chapel so far this fall, there have been many people in white robes. There have been great preachers, pastors, theologians, even a priest, and the person you see before you now, a seminary dropout who has been on a very rocky road of a faith journey, who uh, I've been a late bloomer, who's now finding his place squarely among the Lutherans after half of a lifetime in, well, let's just say other lands. Um, so what was he thinking? All I can tell you is, let's blame Scott. <laughs> but, but when he asked me to speak with you today, Pastor Scott gave me several scripture readings to consider, including the one we just heard uh, from 1 Kings, saying that the Lord is not in the wind, not in the earthquake, and not in the fire, but a still small voice. Another translation has it, after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. Now, I, I do have some thoughts about uh, silence, finding God in the silence, hearing God speak in the silence. So I said yes, but let's blame Scott. Now, when I was the age of many of you uh, to my right, uh, I took a class during the last semester of my senior year of college. Uh, that was an integrative seminar on faith and reason. In addition to a lot of hard academic work, we went on a three-day field trip that took us to a number of really amazing places. A rabbinical school in Cincinnati, Ohio, the Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee. This is the largest uh, energy and science laboratory in the United States Department of Energy. And there we met with the assistant director of the entire laboratory, who's also an Episcopal priest. And we went to Gethsemane Abbey, just outside of Bardstown, Kentucky. Now Gethsemane is a Trappist monastery, best known as the home of one of the most influential Christian authors, poets, and artists of the mid-20th century, Thomas Merton. One of Merton's most famous and beloved prayers begins, My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Now Merton's humble and brutal honesty with God resonates well with my own faith journey. We don't always have to have it all together with God. I know I don't. Now the Trappists are a monastic society within the Cistercian order of the Catholic Church, who lived together in a place, a community, that felt to us students like we had just stepped back into the Middle Ages. The buildings were made of rough stone, the chapel was austere, high-ceilinged, long and relatively narrow. Uh, the chants at worship were haunting, but very beautiful to experience live in this stone chapel. But most startling to us students was the dramatic silence that pervaded the abbey. Even our quiet whispers and low voices seemed loud in this place. Now the vows and the practices of these monks include celibacy, poverty, solitude within community, living a life of prayer, and silence. 
However, there was one monk there who had the temporary job of being the designated voice of the abbey, speaking with visitors, groups like my classmates and me. Now, he was a wonderful and gentle man in plain robes with dancing eyes and an obvious love of life, of God, and of all of us. As we got to know him, we asked him about, about the silence. Then his dancing eyes really lit up as he told us that his time of being the voice of the Abbey was almost at an end. He was looking forward to returning to silence so much, for this was the place where he was most powerfully in relationship with God, where he would be listening in silence, not listening for a particular message or for whatever he might expect to hear, not demanding light instead of darkness, but turning the very substance of his life into a living and vigilant silence, the purpose of which was to find God. Now, one of my spiritual mentors is Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa. He says a number of really startling things, among them like, God is not a Christian. He also says that we Christians are partners with God in the transformation of the world. And he says that the spirituality of transformation has what he calls a contemplative posture towards God. His, his colleague, Claude Nikondeha of Burundi, says that by this, Tutu means, and I quote, that everyone is meant to have that space inside where they can hear God's voice. This requires regular stillness, quiet, time alone. It's a large part of how we cultivate the contemplative place where we can hear. So first there is the quiet. Next, we lean in and listen to the silence and then to the voice of God. We also pray, we converse with God. My friends, this, this is very hard to do. Modern life is very noisy. Uh, we are assaulted by so many messages and ideas, and we are in constant motion. Sometimes we make more promises than we can possibly keep. Cell phones connect us 24-7, and there's always the social network. But my question for us today is this. Is all the action and the noise of our lives more important to us than our stillness? Now, if we think there is no time for stillness today, does this mean that there is no time to listen to God today? That there is no time for God today? Now, it's said that Archbishop Tutu begins each day with a long walk. As he goes, he talks to God. And as he returns, he listens to God. Now, that's not a, that's not a bad way to structure into life some time of stillness and silence for working on our relationship with God. Now near the end of the other reading we heard, Psalm 46, the psalmist writes, be still and know that I am God. One translation says, cease striving. Another says, calm down. And yet another reads, stand silent and know that I am God. But the next verse, the last verse, of the psalm right after the be still part includes this that the Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is with us 
And then something that wasn't read, but is often not read, the word salah. Salah, what is that word? Um, The word salah is used 71 times in 39 of the Psalms. And one of the several uses of the term salah is as a liturgical musical mark or an instruction to the reader to stop and listen or to pause and think of that. Now, my hope for you today is that you might remember something more than let's blame Scott, although we should. Uh, Sometime today, find a time to be alone. And don't forget to turn off your cell phone. Be in vigilant silence for a time and know that God is with you. Find him there and just listen. Amen.